0: Good morning. Take up your Bibles and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We're going to be looking at this morning verses 1 through verse 6. And once you find that in your Bibles, I would ask that you would stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word as we once again look at this passage before we begin our study of it. 1 John 4, 1 through 6. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Beloved... Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world. The world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Please be seated. Right out of college, I moved to Fredericksburg, and I moved to take a job with Tim and Carol Bolton, helping them sell furniture and antiques, and one of the first tasks Tim gave me was to sell an old car. Tim, do you remember this? An old car, and I was delighted to sell the car because it it had a significance to it. It wasn't simply an older car. It had been apparently in some form or fashion part of Barnum Barnum and Bailey Circus way back, way back, way back when. So I was really actually interested in selling the car. And as I was selling the car, new as a salesman, you have to understand, I came and got my first experience with fraudulent charges via the internet. And I did not ship that car to some rich nephew over in Nigeria, but he sent me lots of checks. And I deposited them in the bank hoping this one be, would be good and neither of them were good. In fact, I got lots of calls from the bank having to work through that. And what I wanted more than anything at that moment of trying to sell that car was I wanted a surefire test to know whether the person I was working with was, a, was of a true nature or of a false nature. And that is exactly, in some form or fashion, what we have here in First John 4. A true litmus test by which we can determine whether or not what is being spoken to us, the, the teaching that we're listening to, the preacher that we're hearing, the doctrine that we're taking in, whether it is of a true nature or it is of a false nature. The Apostle John this morning clearly writes to us as believers with a simple command. You see that in verse 1. Beloved... Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit. Test to be sure this is true and not false. Test in order that you might be found following the true Christ and not an idol. Test the spirit. But why do we test the spirit? Why do we have this exhortation from John? There is the sin in all of our hearts that is really less concerned about whether or not something is true or whether it is false, but rather whether or not it, it fulfills a desire or a need that I have. I might have a little idol over here. And what you're telling me, I have far less of a concern whether it's true or false and whether or not I get what I want from you or from this teaching. It wasn't too many years ago that the U.S. Treasury changed the $20 bill, and you probably remember that. It went from one color to... Or predominantly green and white, to many different colors. And they did so in order to help stay ahead of counterfeits. But probably all of us in here would admit that it didn't have an impact upon us, that this change of the way it was designed. In fact, if somebody slipped you a $20 bill and you unknowingly took this $20 bill, which was a counterfeit, and went and bought a sandwich for lunch, and then later on found out that you bought that sandwich with a counterfeit bill... If I was honest, I would probably have to admit that somebody else's problem. I'm just glad I got my sandwich out of the deal. I could care less whether I was dealing with something false or true because the sin of my heart, I'm much more interested in, is this going to appease me? Is this going to fulfill something that I have a desire to to gain or to get out of this person or this teaching? The Apostle John, the, the pastor John, writing to the church of Ephesus here, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is aware of our sinful heart conditions. And he graciously exhorts us this morning, because that you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and because you have the Holy Spirit given to you, which, look in your Bibles, you'll see in 323 and 324, two verses back, whoever keeps his commandments abide in him, and he in them, and by this we know that he abides in us, by the Spirit whom he has given us. We've been given the Holy Spirit, because you believe on the name of the son of god because you have the holy spirit test test the spirit in order that you might walk out the christian life in love to god and in love to others test the spirit in order that you might walk worthy of the manner of the go- in a worthy manner of the gospel that's philippians 1:27 test the spirit in order that you might know you are in the faith Second Corinthians 13:5. But what, is, what does John mean by this word "spirit? Look at uh, the, the passage with me in your Bibles, four: one, "Believe every spirit, test the spirits, then he gets into false prophets. Verse two, every spirit." Verse three, every spirit. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. What does he mean by, by spirit, or, or false spirits? Let me make clear here that John has already addressed this in chapter 2, verse 18. Look with me there. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. Now skip down to 22, 222. Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Antichrist? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Anyone, and Paul mentioned this a few weeks ago, anyone that is uh, proclaiming a, a false doctrine, a false religion other than Christ, their father is the devil. So the, as an epitome of the Antichrist, that which is opposed to Christ, is Satan. And then things come down from there. It could be a false teacher. It could be a, a temptation. And it's not just that we battle these things with, from without us. This is things we're dealing with out in the world, which he gets later into this passage in verse uh, 4 and 5, out into the world. But it's also something, something we have to battle within us. Our hearts are desperately wicked, deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? We're prone to wonder, as Come Thou Fount says, the, the great hymn of the faith. So we have to battle this heart's desire within us, as, as uh, John has told us back in 215, not to love the things of the world, or the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life. We have these lusts that well up within us, and they, 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 Satan preys upon those and brings temptation this is what John is speaking about. It's not just speaking about Satan or some false prophet that we may listen to on the radio or see on the television or read about in the news, but this is something we're also dealing with within our own heart. That we need to test. That need we need to be sure is true and not false. Look with me again in your Bible, starting at chapter 3, verse 1. I want to look at the context before we get too deep into uh, this six verses in chapter four. And the question that we're asking the text this morning is why does John take six verses on testing the Spirit and drops it in the middle of two chapters on love? Look with me. Three verse one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Three verse ten. Chapter three verse ten. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God nor is the one who does not love his brother. Chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Chapter 3, verse 23. And this is his commandment that we believe in the name of of his son Jesus Christ and love one another just as he has commanded us. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Chapter 4, 21. And this is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brothers. There's 24 verses in chapter 3, and there's 21 verses in chapter 4, and right in the middle, six verses on testing the Spirit. And when we're we're studying our Bible, we've got to ask the question, is John simply as a pastor going, oh, hey, great rabbit trail, I'm going to to go down this a little bit and then I'm going to come back over here to love? Or does this passage fit in and really not be anything different than what he's already saying about love? Let's look at it. John begins with a command in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirit to see they are from God. Very clearly, one command. He states it two different ways. He says, do not do something, and instead do something. Do not believe, but instead test. Same coin, different sides. But why? Well, he continues, verse 1. For, and if you were studying, you would need to underline this word. For many, underline, for many false Prophets have gone out into the world, not just one or two but but many and this is one of the the, the words that would point to the fact that he 's not talking about the Antichrist as we see in revelation but but many false teachers now we've already looked we've already read this morning back in two verse eighteen this this idea that John has already been writing about antichrist he's already been antichrists he's already been writing about false teachers false prophets because the context of what he's writing to in Ephesus is that Christ has just come to earth. He's just lived his life. He's just died. The resurrection has happened. It's very fresh in the new church here. And and there are many that are still saying, has he come yet? That man who's doing all those miracles, was that the Christ? Was that the Messiah? Did he really come? Did he not? So there were, there were false teachers. And there still are today. Not much has changed. Promoting a false gospel. Because there was a, it, was a, it was a highly sensitive area. Of people really interested in, this, in the spiritual realm. Really interested in religion. And wanting to know. Is this man who has been doing these things. And saying these things. And we've heard all these things. Is this really what has been foretold? Or is it something different and each one of those people that were speaking these false religions and false doctrines are all vying to be the one right quote-unquote religion and we mentioned back when we when we talked and studied in verse uh, chapter 2 verse 18 that there was two prevailing false teachings of that day one was docetism the belief that jesus only seemed to be human and that his human form was an illusion. That he was the son of God, but he was not the son of man. He was fully God, not yet, yet not fully man. And then there was Gnosticism. The belief that only some have the privilege to a secret knowledge about God. These were the two prevailing false teachings of that day. And you know that John is writing toward that because he says in verse 2, Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And we we looked at some of the false teaching a couple weeks ago that we face today. The false teaching that Scripture is not inerrant. The false teaching that Scripture is not sufficient. The false teaching that you can obtain salvation by works. Or that Christ can be your Savior, but you don't have to accept Him as Lord. That grace is free and enables you to have free reign of this life and do what you please. Or the prosperity gospel. Or antinomianism that which is opposed to the moral law, or postmodernism that there are no absolutes, there's nothing relative, it's, it's all what you, ever, what you want it to be. All is relative. But now, if, those were the, if that's some of the stuff that we encounter today, look with me at, at verse 6 of 1 John 4. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's that word error I want to highlight for you. That word in the Greek is different than this false prophets. And what it means is there's this there's this wondering, a straying about, a roaming away from where we should be. And we've got to keep in mind that John is writing to the believers. This isn't, He's not writing to unbelievers. He's writing to the believers at the church in Ephesus. And he's not just encouraging, beware of false teaching that will promote a wrong gospel in order for you to not come to Christ. Meaning... Beware of false teaching that's going to promote a wrong way to salvation. But he's also encouraging the believers to say, beware of false doctrine that's going to lead you, cause you to be in error, and cause you to be straying away from where you should be walking, and therefore limit your effectiveness to the proclamation of the gospel around you. Limit your effectiveness to being able to love God as he has commanded you. That's 323 and 24. Limit your effectiveness to be able to love one another. And I think that's the answer to the question of why John takes six verses on testing the spirit and drops it right in the middle of an entire treatise on love. is because he's saying, if you get wandered away as believers in this, you cannot fulfill the command God has for you to love him, obey his commandments, and love others. But he doesn't just leave us. He shows us that we have much grace that has been extended to us. Extended to us to to be able to have, through Christ's work on the cross for us, the truth by which we can compare falsehood to. Because if you're not a believer, you have no interest in comparing falsehood, and you have no ability to do it because you don't have the truth. What is some false teaching? If that... if, if. if what I read before were some false ways about the gospel that may not be as prevalent in our own life, what are some false teaching that can lead us in error? And I came up with five. That pornography in limited and controlled amounts won't hurt me or my marriage. That some sins are acceptable, others are not. That my online persona can be different than my in-person persona. These are, these are relevant to today. We, we have these subtle temptations. That my fa- th- This one goes right to my heart as a man who wants to raise my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That my family is more imper- important than the church. That the sin of the world would corrupt me if I get too close while involved in gospel work. I see it was hit right at my heart. And some of those are much more subtle in their in their falseness. They slip in carefully, but they're all presented in a very subtle and deceitful and attractive package with the end goal in mind by the power of by, with the goal end goal of mine by Satan to lead me in error that would limit my effectiveness for Christ. Go with me in your Bible over to Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. We're going to get a very clear example and picture in Scripture of exactly how to tackle this. These, these false spirits, these false doctrines, these false teachers, these temptations that would lead us into error. And Christ gives us the greatest example in his personal life as he walks out these, this temptation time in the wilderness. Look with me at Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days, forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, You are the Son of God. Command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. Satan uses Scripture. Begone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Christ obviously handled false teaching with the Word of God. But notice something very clear, which we've probably all seen before, which is the fact that Satan used Scripture as well. And there's an important note in that, simply meaning that. The false teaching, false doctrine, false preaching, false teachers, temptations all have in some form or fashion enough truth to make it palatable, to make it desirable. And that the enemy knows our hearts and he knows what to subtly slip in that that may just be the hook that catches us. And so for us just to say, well, I can come to church or I can read my Bible every once in a while or I can read a lot on the internet and then somehow that's going to infuse me with enough truth to be able to defend off these false things is naive at best. Because the enemy knows this word. He knows it very, very well. And he knows how to take it and twist it in order to achieve his end goal of us going into error. Christ, he defended, and he fended off this false teaching perfectly in order that we might be able to have the truth and life in him, we can find the ability and the grace to negate false teaching teachers and ultimately the enemy. Go back with me to 1 John 4. If you're here this morning and you do not know the Lord, then what I'm saying about having the ability to to stand for truth and fend off falsehood, to test, test the spirits, you have no ability to do it if you do not know the Lord. And I would encourage you and I plead with you to come to Christ in order to gain the ability to do so. Because anyone in here that knows Christ only has the ability to, and ultimately the desire to fend off that which is wrong because of the work of Christ for us. And he, he did it perfectly back in Matthew 4 to set an example and then through his blood providing the grace now to be able to respond accordingly. There is a, there's a split right in the middle of this 1 John 4, 1 through 6 and it happens three verses in and then it shifts and I want you to see that shift. Verse 4, little children... You are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world. And the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. The shift there is you are from God. Remember, John is writing to believers. His proclamation here is remember. Remember Christ has done a work for you on your behalf, on the cross, by the love of God, and now that has been given to you, are um, fulfilled in you, are proclaimed in you, made known in you through the Holy Spirit that's back in 324. the Holy Spirit has been given you. so no. Because of the work of Christ in you, because of the Holy Spirit within within you, you have the truth and the ability to fight this well. And because of Christ's work of overcoming the devil, you can do this as well. So here's, here's the confidence, here's the victory, here's the ability, here's the desire, here's the energy, here's the grace that we have to wake up each morning and as those temptations come barging in or as we have uh, a false teaching that we have to dissect in our minds about, is this true, is this false? Maybe something we're listening onto the radio, watching on the television, hearing. We can know that Christ is overcome. He's broken the power of sin and death. And because of that breaking, he gives us the ability to overcome. Little children, you are from God. That salvation that you have been given is from God. It's not something that you have earned. It's not something that you have gained. It's been given from God. And because of that, you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world and that is what then takes us back to those false teachings that we have a temptation to give into that would lead us astray and error that would compromise our ability to be effective for Christ in loving him and loving others is when you is when you realize Christ is, Christ has broken this power and he's given me life and he's greater than all these things much greater and now he lives within you the holy spirit within you is greater than all that there's there's no need to fear as we go out and proclaim the gospel that somehow oh as i'm sharing the gospel with this person this individual i don't have to fear that somehow this sin's gonna jump on me and i'm gonna stray away no it's, it's greater within me than that which is in the world by way of application and, and in closing, I want to highlight five tests. Five tests that John gives us in this passage to prove teaching to be false or true. Three are found in the text, and then one on each side. One book uh, bookmarks it, um, bookends on each side. Very simply, 324 Whoever keeps his commandments abides in him. I would encourage you to write down God's commands. Does this teaching cause me to treasure and keep God's commandments? Or does it lead me astray from God's commandments? That means you've got to know your Bible. Does this teaching cause me to treasure and keep God's commandments? Test number one, God's commands. Test number two, chapter four, verse two. Test number two, a true Christ. Does this teaching confess a proper view of Jesus, that he is fully God and fully man. Verse 2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Does this confess a true Christ? Does it promote a true Christ, this teaching? Number one, God's commands. Number two, a true Christ. Number three, verse 5 of chapter 4, Does it sound like the world... They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, the world listens to them. Does this teaching have a broad following that speaks and sounds like the world? Does it have a broad following that teaches, that speaks, that sounds like the world? Am I saying that you cannot have a broad following to follow truth? No. But I'm saying, does it, if there is a broad following, we should be very wary of that. And we should be testing to see, does this sound like the world? Is this fulfilling itching ears of which we are promised that false teachers will come into the flock and, and try to tickle itching ears with false teaching? Number four, verse six in chapter four. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Question, am I listening to God? Does this teaching cause me to listen to God and others that are following him? You'll notice it says, we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Plural. And I think it's speaking to the Trinity. And also I think it's speaking to the church. That are you, is this teaching causing me want to, to want to listen to God and others in the church that are following him? Verse five, uh, excuse me, number five, verse seven, chapter four, verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Does this teaching press me, push me, goad me to love God and others? Am I loving God and others? Does this does this teaching press me to that? Whether it's a teaching that I'm hearing or a teaching that's coming to my heart, it's a it's preying upon a lust that are there, a false doctrine. Does it press me to love God and love others? So, does this false teaching cause me to treasure and keep God's commandments? 324. Does it confess a proper view of Jesus? 4 verse 2. Does it sound like the world? 4 verse 5. Does it cause me to listen to God and others that are following Him? 4 verse 6. And am I loving God and others? 4 verse 7. John has exhorted us from scripture this morning that we should be Christians, that by the love of God toward us and through the work of Jesus Christ in us, and then now by the gift of the Holy Spirit to us, that we should confidently and vigilantly and with, with discipline and with diligence test and test and test as good Bereans that which is Coming in contact with us. To test all things with the living word of God. To test all things with the Bible. And to realize that as believers. That have now been saved by faith. By the blood of Christ. That does not absolve us from, from falsehood. And we're to continue to test. And we're to do this. By listening to him. Notice verse verse 5. That we listen. And verse Um, excuse me, verse 6, that we listen to God. In verse 5, the world is speaking a lot, saying a lot, but they're not listening to God. And as we combat these things, are we listening to God through his word? And that that word is then confirmed by the Holy Spirit within us in order that we might more effectively, through that testing by the word of God, love God more and love others as he commands us to do in these passages. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we see the clear command here to, to test that we have the Holy Spirit within us and, but we are, we are then to test every spirit to see whether it is found to be true. And we want to be found to be true that on that last day we might be looked upon with love and grace and hear those sweet words, Well done thou good and faithful servant. To be found faithful, to be found true to the word of God that we have no ability to do within ourselves but by the grace of God poured out for us upon the cross of Christ. Oh, Father, I pray that we would would be sensitive to all that we think about and we listen to and we see and we read about that we would be ever vigilant to read your word and know the truth, that we'd be conforming our lives to the picture, the example of Christ, that we might love you more through that and then subsequently love others as well, drawing them, showing them the beauty and worth of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that inspired this word. John would write it, and I pray, Father, that it would, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that this word would have gone deep within us this morning and drawn us in closer fellowship with you and pushed us and pressed us into into a closer uh, and more sensitive pursuit of the truth. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.